lock yourself in. This week, Violet Coco is locked in a cage. She's locked in a cage for 15 months, sweet tears, because she expressed concern about climate chaos. More accurately, she expressed concern about the government's failure to do anything to address the causes of that chaos. This week, Violet Coco was locked in a cage by Magistrate Alison Hawkins because she inconvenienced thousands of Sydney commuters by obstructing one lane of traffic on the Sydney Harbour Bridge for 25 minutes. The New South Wales Attorney General, Mark Speakerman, said, the right to protest must be weighed against the right of ordinary members of the public to move about safely and freely in their day-to-day lives. Last week's news is not new news. One year ago, Eric Serge Herbert, Sergio, was sentenced to 12 months in a cage for obstructing a coal train. Queensland's police chief, Katrina Carroll, said the arrest and New South Wales' new laws sent a strong message to protesters. Australian authorities are out of step with international opinion, though. UN Rapporteur for Freedom, Clement Vuhl, expressed alarm, adding that peaceful protesters should never be arrested. That's Jeff Ebbs from The Cage, discussing the recent arrest of Violet Coco on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Violet mounted the protest to emphasise the inaction by governments on climate change. I'm Robert McLean, your host of Climate Conversations, and this is the latest episode. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to elders, both past, present, and emerging. In this latest episode, Jeff checks in on state violence against protesters, quoting Hannah Arendt that the state resorts to violence as it loses grip on power. He reflects on the role of media and how we can create our own media while avoiding tech feudalism of social media. As I said, you'll find the link to that entire episode in the show notes. And Pro Bono Australia reports, greenwashing crackdown continues. The Australian branch of a global investment management company, Vanguard, will pay almost $40,000 for alleged greenwashing after being fined by the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, the ASIC. The National Corporate Regulator handed down three infringement notices to the company last week, which related to product disclosure statements that have been made liable to mislead investors. It follows ASIC's first action against greenwashing in October, fining TO Energy for allegedly false sustainability-focused statements made to the ASX in 2021. And here is something to look forward to in March next year. It's the Sound Country Women's Artist Leadership Retreat, organised by the Women's Environmental Leadership in Australia. A promo for this event says, This program is designed to develop your skills, self-reflection, support and networks, to take the next steps in using your voice for a better future. The four-day retreat is on the 17th to 30th of March 2023. It's in Tasmania's Spring Bay Mill at Tribuna. You'll find details of that event in the show notes. And from the Climate Council, 
There's a new report. The Great Deluge. Australia's new era of unnatural disasters. It says 2022 will be remembered as the year of the Great Deluge, when record-breaking rain and floods lashed large parts of eastern Australia, caused untold devastation for Australians and their economy. Climate change, driven by the burning of coal, oil and gas, was a major factor in the Great Deluge. This report, it says, is a stark warning that this is not over yet, and a call for all levels of government to speed up their emissions reductions and disaster preparation efforts. And from the conversation we hear, clashing laws need to be fixed if we want to live in bushfire-prone areas. Philippa McCormick from the University of Adelaide writes, It's almost bushfire season. Yes, even though floods are still racing through parts of eastern Australia, fire conditions are above average, including in inland New South Wales and Queensland. When we switch back to a neutral or El Nino climate cycle, our fire risk will likely intensify, giving the huge vegetation growth during these rainy years. As we prepare for the next major fire season, it's vital we take a close look at our laws. Why? Because these laws can clash in ways that make it harder for us to prepare. Governments have always struggled to balance laws protecting nature with laws protecting us from bushfire. And from Axios we hear Tesla's electric semi faces a long, slow, uphill climb. Tesla's flashy new electric semi-truck isn't very practical for most freight haulers under pressure to reduce their carbon footprint. You'll find the link to that story in the show notes. And The Guardian now takes us to the United Kingdom. The story says, UK weather, Britain braces for snow and ice as temperatures plummet. The Met Office has issued its first snow warning of this winter as Britain expected to face icy temperatures this week. A yellow weather warning for snow has been issued for northern Scotland on Wednesday, with snow showers likely to disrupt travel. Snow could also fall in parts of Northern Ireland and northeast England, with the coldest temperatures expected from Wednesday onwards. Much of the UK is expected to remain just above freezing during the day and fall below overnight. And from the New Daily we hear, private profits and public pain. It's well past time for action on fossil fuels. The fossil fuel industry is on track to export an all-time record value approaching 200 billion of LNG, coking and thermal coal in 2022. This is generating windfall profits, driven by the Russian war on Ukraine affecting supply. For a few select companies, mostly private, foreign vested interests using tax havens for corporate tax avoidance as they exploit our sovereign resources. Meanwhile, domestic gas prices are hurting residential, commercial and industrial customers alike. Again, from the conversation we hear, loss, decay and bleaching. Why sponges may be the canary in the coal mine for impacts of marine heat waves. The story begins. Marine sponges were thought to be more resilient to ocean warming than other organisms. But early this year, New Zealand recorded the largest ever sponge bleaching event off the southern coastline. 
While only one species, the cup sponge, I won't bother trying to pronounce its technical name, was affected. A prolonged marine heat wave turned millions of the normally dark brown sponges bright white. Subsequently, we reported the tissue loss, decay and death of other sponge species across the northern coastline of New Zealand, with an estimated impact on hundreds of thousands of specimens. In contrast, we didn't observe any bleaching or tissue loss in central areas of New Zealand's coastline, despite extensive surveys. Our latest research shows the most severe impact on sponges occurred in areas where the marine heat wave was the most intense. The loss of sponges may have major repercussions for the whole ecosystem. And now from Yale Climate Connections we hear about a new book, Disasterology. Jeff Masters writes, Increasing vulnerability, inadequate regulations, decaying infrastructure, social and economic inequality and climate change demand a revamping of US efforts to prevent or prepare for disasters, the author argues. The story begins. The US emergency management and disaster response systems are desperately deficient and cannot handle the onslaught of climate change amplified disasters already besieging the nation. That's the take-home message of Disasterology, the excellent 2021 book by disaster researcher Samantha Montano, Assistant Professor of Emergency Management at Massachusetts Maritime Academy. Drawing from personal experience, including a years-long stay in New Orleans in the aftermath of the 2005 catastrophic Hurricane Katrina, Montano explains why not enough is done to prevent or prepare for disasters, the critical role of media and our current approaches to recovery are not designed to serve marginalised communities. In a section devoted to the COVID-19 pandemic, this generation's most deadly disaster, she cast light on many decisions made behind closed doors that failed to protect the public. Regarding climate change as a threat multiplier, she writes, Climate change is so insidious because it intertwines itself with our existing vulnerabilities and amplifies them. It further threatens what is already fragile and at risk. It takes these hazards that we have always had to manage, hurricanes, flooding, landslides, wildfires, and changes the way they manifest. We've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. So until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with your friends. Also, don't forget, you'll find links to all those stories in the show notes. So, until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. Take care.